is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Time to meet up for your weekly dose of music, arts, and lifestyle. It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie, and it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you along for whatever part of the next hour you've got. That's right, Bo. So let's get to the guest sisters. All right. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, for inspiration, there's no better motivator than Jillian Michaels. Mm-hmm. If you need a shot of positivity in your life, Jillian Michaels will arm you today with common sense and a no-holds-barred approach to turn your life around. You know her from NBC's The Biggest Loser, and she'll share ideas on how to harness your potential and kickstart your goals. So, go you. Okay, Allie, an American Idol dude today, right? Yes, Rachel, American Idol season 10 finalist Paul McDonald. Paul McDonald was known on the show for his raspy voice and super cool rhinestone jumpsuits. Well, during his time on Idol, he met Nikki Reed of Twilight fame on a red carpet and they began dating. So today you're going to hear Paul's journey from his own band to dating Nikki to his solo career. And now his new love is Emily Kinney from The Walking Dead. And she has a music career, too. The two of them are collaborating and they're going to be at The Waiting Room November 4th. So you got to check that out. Also, Paul McDonald recently dropped his latest album, Modern Hearts. Paul is a Nashville critically acclaimed songwriter, and his journey from idol to now is certainly full of twists and turns, heartbreak, and redemption. So you're going to enjoy the view from this bumpy ride. Okay, Rachel, tell them all about our new friends. Yes, you guys are going to love this, and you know how we love introducing you to artists who are paving their own way, following their unique path, because it shows you there's not just one way to bring creativity into your life. And it can look very different for each person. And Lisa Fishman is an artist who isn't afraid to go for it. She dismisses all genre labels, embraces all her influences, and gets to the heart of her creativity. So if you've ever wanted to explore a music style path that is off the beaten path, you're going to want to hear what Lisa Fishman has to share today. As a singer-songwriter, an off-Broadway performer, and a klezmer music aficionado, she doubles down on where the music takes her. There just don't seem to be a place that I want to settle down. Enjoy this chat today with Lisa Fishman, and every so often we have an interview where we really connect with someone on a personal level. Lisa is one such interview. Make sure you check out her brand new EP, Tie Me Down. Well, my kids got back to school this week. Once they get all out the door, there's a big 
sigh of relief that everyone got to where they needed to be on time and with the right supplies. And Allie, you kind of left that a little bit more at the last minute than even I did. Yes, Rachel. The night before my kiddos went to school, I looked at their school supply list thinking I probably had everything, but then I saw stuff like three ring binder and colored sticky notes. And I was like, oh my gosh. Of course, I got up at 6 a.m. the next morning, went to Walgreens, got all their school supplies, went home, then got them up to get ready. And the guy at Walgreens actually laughed at me and he was like, doing this a little late, aren't you? And I was like, yep, last minute mama. (laughs) Well, at least it all got done and everyone got where they were supposed to be. Uh Well, you need to stay right where you're supposed to be, right here with your radio sisters. We'll be right back with Jillian Michaels. She's going to pump up your life with some good advice. Keep hanging out here with your radio sisters. The Mulberry Lane Show. the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. She has built a wellness empire to help you achieve your health, success, and life goals. She is Jillian Michaels, daytime Emmy-nominated television personality and trainer for The Biggest Loser. And she's here now to tell you how your health, success, and happiness are all tied together. Jillian Michaels, maximize your life and be the very best that you can be. Oh, that was awesome. It's great to have you here, Jillian. So many people feel like they're stuck in a rut and want to improve their lives, whether it be weight loss or better health. So what are some tips you would tell that person? So, so many people are living their lives like robots, you know, Mm -hmm. getting up every day and doing a responsible thing and putting one foot in front of the other. And the irony of life is that not only does that make you unhappy, it actually makes you unsuccessful. And when you do what you love and you live in your truth and you live in your passion and you give yourself the permission to get in touch with those things and really live that lifestyle out, that's when success comes. Uh The universe conspires on your behalf, which is a favorite Oscar Wilde quote of mine, when you do what you love. I love that. And then from that point, the bigger problem is that, great, you know, now you know what you want. Okay, super. But many people don't feel deserving of that, nor do they feel capable of achieving it. Mm -hmm. It's about how we literally get to the origin of self-defeating attitudes and behaviors. How do we root them out? How do we turn them around? Where do they come from and why? Giving people the tools and the skills so that they do appreciate that they are capable of achieving anything. So they're armed with knowledge and they're empowered with a belief in themselves and a belief in their goals and their dreams. Uh And the reality is, it's quite simple. It really is. You move more, you eat less. Mm. So the bigger question becomes, how come so many people are struggling with it? And what are these excuses that we're making about not having the time, not having the money? What's really underneath that? It's about the bigger picture of getting unstuck in your life, harnessing your potential and living the life that you dream about. So when it comes to being healthier with diet and exercise, what do you think comes first? The attitude and that brings the tools that can help you to do the healthy things? Or do you think changing your lifestyle to do the diet and exercise comes first and that changes your attitude? Both really need to happen simultaneously okay. Okay. Uh, because it is sort of a chicken and an egg conversation. So you can't change your attitude without an experience of success. Because mm. <laughs> it's like until you have a concrete reality where you've been successful and you go, wait a second, 
you know what, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do this workout. I can lose, a, you know, two pounds in a week. I am capable of that. It's really a falsehood in your mind. So you can say, I'm just going to have a positive attitude. I'm just going to believe. But that's not how it works, especially if over the course of your lifetime, you've been unsuccessful. So okay. you really have to hit it from all angles. Okay. You've got to get informed, get the knowledge, mm-hmm. become catalyzed and inspired to make a move. And that's the easy part. Everybody can get inspired. The problem is making that inspiration last yeah. and then having success with your actions. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're inspired, you've got to put those into action against your intention. And then once you start having these small successes, it starts to become something that you can really believe in because it's a reality you've actually experienced. And you see the step-by-step success. Exactly. What if someone close to you or someone you love has some bad habits? Can we, as the person who loves them, motivate them or does it really have to come from them? Great question. Ultimately, it does have to come from them, but if we're speaking candidly, which is really the only way I ever speak, um, the less politically correct answer is that you can manipulate somebody into arriving at that conclusion. And while I hate to use that word, that is literally what you'd have to do. So manipulation is okay, basically. Well, think of it like this. If you're manipulating from a very authentic and very genuine and kind place, mm-hmm. I sort of give people a pass on it. Okay. And there are two ways of going about it. One is to sit down and just go, hey, you know, we're married, we have kids or whatever. You're my best friend. I can't live without you. And just genuinely tell them I'm scared and I don't want to live without you. I don't want to raise our kids without you. I don't want to be in the world without you as my best friend. I want you to be their dad to walk me down the aisle and let them be your emotion. Uh-huh. Okay. And the hope is that what you can do is make it so painful for them to see you so worried and in so much pain that it'll be more painful and more frightening where they're at with their health and their weight and uh-huh. their fear associated with making a change. Okay. Um, and subsequently, there is a more manipulative way to go about it because that may not always work. Okay. And then oftentimes it breathes anger and resentment of like, I can't believe you don't love me enough to get healthy right. or you don't care enough, which it's not about you. It's about them. And what people need to understand about unhealthy behaviors is that they afford somebody something very significant. Oftentimes they defend against pain, their coping mechanisms for upset emotions. And so it isn't about how much they love you. You know, if you're lucky, that can overcome the issues they're dealing with, but it's rare. Okay. Another thing to try is to go in and say, God, you know, I've been thinking so much about my life. I pick something that moved you. I, I, I just went to see Jillian Michaels the other day and she was talking to me about my why. You know, what do I really want out of life? Mm-hmm. Where do I see myself a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? And it got me thinking, you know, what's your why? What would you really want? And you ask people okay. leading questions to mm-hmm. try to get them to arrive at their why and their passion and their conclusion on their own okay. without feeling as though you've pushed or manipulated them into mm, it. Gotcha. And then once you've helped somebody establish that why, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot easier to tolerate and achieve the how-to of it. And they vocalized it, so they're owning it as well. You got it. Exactly. Where is that line between accepting who you are, self-acceptance, and striving to become better? We always accept where we are right now in this moment. That's okay. the key. In fact, okay. if you want to become better, you have to accept and love yourself right now or you don't feel deserving of being better. Mm. Okay. So right now saying, you know what, I'm a human being that believe in God, whatever you want to say, you name it. But God has brought me here to this world to do one job. And that job is to be uniquely myself. Okay. And so you have value and you have a purpose right from go. 
Mm-hmm. And from that point, the goal is to just become a better, happier, and healthier you. Okay. And it doesn't mean that you're not good enough where you're at. It's more a mindset of feeling you deserve more. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And it's a freeing thought. Because it's not like you have to strive for this outer thing of perfection. It's who you no. are, the most perfect you that you can be. Never about perfection because perfect is not part of the human condition. Okay. It's about progress. Okay. Mm. It's about making incremental progress. It's about the effort that you put into it. And it's about being a whole human being. And as whole human beings, part of our journey in this lifetime is to deal with our issues. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you so much, Jillian. Thanks, Thank Jillian. Thank you, guys. All righty. Have a great day. You too. Jillian Michaels with some inspiration for your life. We'll be right back with Paul McDonald from Season 10 of American Idol. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you know him from the 10th season of American Idol. Singer-songwriter Paul McDonald is here to chat about his latest album, Modern Hearts, and what's been going on in his life. Welcome, welcome to the show, Paul McDonald. What's up, what's up? (laughs) Well, it's awesome to have you here with us today. Uh, thanks so much for having me and chatting with me about the new record and all the things. So Yeah, so now uh, I'm, you I'm have had quite a number of changes in your life, personally, in the last few years. You divorced from Nikki, your breakup of the band The Grand Magnolias, and a move back to Nashville. So this all <laughs> had to shape modern hearts. Uh, yeah, there's a whole lot of changes over the past few years. The band was the most solid thing that we really had going. We, we did that for about six years, and then American Idol broke that band up, and then when I moved out west... I got married and started the band with Nikki, and then as soon as we fell apart, the band fell apart too. So it was kind of a whole lot of things getting, coming pretty fast at you. All the changes. coming, coming, yeah. coming real fast. All that stuff came at me real fast. You know, American Idol was zero to a thousand. You know, all of a sudden with Grand Magnolias, you know, it's kind of the slow build where you tour and you do the clubs and you make the records, and your fan base slowly grows over uh-huh. time. But American Idol went from, like, you know, a 15-passenger band playing clubs to singing songs in front of millions of folks and uh, meeting all these really established creative producers. And That's a head trip, just, too, all of that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's real interesting and kind of hard to navigate if you've never been there before, especially on that level. So it took me a while to kind of... Um, digest all of that stuff and then also getting married real quick along with American Idol. It was a lot of real big life changes and then a lot of that stuff ended real quick as well so I decided to move right back to Nashville. I just kind of wanted a break to myself. Uh Soak in those experiences and just figure out what I wanted to do next. Uh, Were you writing at this time or were you just kind of sick of the whole thing and just took a break? After American Idol was when I kind of started getting sick of making music just because I wasn't making music for the reasons that I, you know, intended to make music when I first started playing music. So I kind of got burned out a little bit when I was doing those tours. And I'm always creating and always writing no matter where I'm at. So that was why instead of doing a solo album immediately after American Idol, I did one with Nikki. So it was kind of like... Not so much pressure on the solo thing. And I, and I liked the camaraderie of being in a band. Uh, sure. It was real fun. That's hard to give that up for a solo. Yeah. For sure, for sure. So I mean, as my last band ended, Nikki came into my life, and we decided 
but it would be a good idea to make a band. She was real creative, so we did that project, and, and we were both really, really proud of it. But, you know, as soon as we made that record, the relationship kind of fell apart, and uh-huh. so did the band. So that was when I moved back and decided, well, all right, all my bands have broken up now. Uh, I have me. to make music, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to do what I know how to do, and that's make records, and this time, I guess I'm going to have to do it all on my own. So and you were kind probably of the, ready for it, would you say? Yeah, I was yeah. ready for it, and, and I'm glad I didn't do it before, you know, I mean, after One American Idol stuff was going on, I was a solo artist at that point, because how they promoted me and to America, to the world, you know? Right. Uh, it wasn't the Grand Magnolias on American Idol, it was just me, and even though I was way more comfortable being in a band, I mean, I wasn't ready to make a solo record at that time, and I didn't, you know, there was a whole lot of kind of things on the table for me to go out and try that, you know, obviously, sure. when you got that kind of people looking at you. And that kind of momentum, too. Yeah, yeah, momentum, you know, everyone wants to kind of cash in and go, hey, this is your time to do it, and I was like, man, I don't think I'm ready to do it, I don't know what I want to say. Uh-huh. And what my music needs to sound like. The Nikki stuff, we went back and cut that record uh, with Ken Comer, who was the original drummer for Wilco. And we made like an alternative country record Uh that was nothing like you would think, you know, one of the guys from American Idol and an actress from Twilight would come together and make. You know, it was something like not top 40 at all. It was just a really cool record. So now with Modern Hearts, talk about the recording process of the album. Um, First off, I wrote more songs than I've ever written ever for an album for this record. I opened myself up to co-writing okay. uh, and working with outside writers and stuff and also make new friends. You know, I was kind of feeling alone at that point in time. The way that we recorded it, we went up to Echo Mountain Studios, which is an old church, really vibey studio. I brought some of my favorite musicians, the most talented players in Nashville, and we went up to Asheville for a week, camped out in the house, cool. and tracked 14 songs and just had a blast. And then I went to Nashville. I still felt like I was missing a piece. So I cut four more songs okay. and then pulled one of those and put that on the record and then pulled a few from the earlier Echo Mountain session. So I kind of recorded two albums and, and then picked the 14 that kind of flowed the best. And do you feel like this represents Paul McDonald? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, when I finished making it, it was like so close to me that I was like, if you don't like this record, you don't like me. <laughs> you know? It's like your baby, your uh-huh. baby, you know. But now that I've been living with it for a while, and it's the most proud that I've ever been on any piece of art that I've made uh, up to this point. I'm just really excited because it is me. And now that I've found that, the next album will will take me, I'll be able to do one a year, one every Uh year and a half kind of thing. Now that I've kind of found my voice, which is really nice, you know. It's a huge deal. People don't realize what a step in accomplishment that is. As a musician and artist, yeah. Absolutely. The beautiful thing with American Idol, uh, when I went out to do that stuff, that it introduced me to a whole different world of collaborators and producers. And we were working with, you know, Don Was, a a bunch of just amazing guys that were kind of way out of my league. As I was like, how am I in the room with Rodney Jerkins, you know, all those guys (laughs) that had worked on uh, Michael Jackson records. But because of that, it allowed me to step outside my comfort zone and I feel like once you find out what you don't want, that allows you to go, oh, cool, now I've seen that. Right. I can come back. And it's taken me a few years to kind of try out all these different things, circle right back around to where I started before all of that whirlwind of craziness. But now I've got perspective on things. You know, That's a I don't really do cool it. way of putting it. I love how yeah. you know you almost had to go way far out to pull it back to who you are. Yeah, 
to pull it exactly back to where it was when yeah. I was making records. But now I'm doing it in my own skin. Well, right now you're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with Paul McDonald. He was a finalist on season 10 of American Idol. Looking back on American Idol now, how do you put that in perspective? How do you view it? Do you see it as a blessing, a curse? How do you view it now? I mean, it's something that happened. You can't look at it either either way. I mean, I can say, well, I haven't played Bonnaroo since I was on American Idol, so all the cool kids have totally kicked me out. You know, <laughs> when, I, when I did American Idol, I'm not cool anymore. But at the same time, it's opened up doors that have done all kinds of stuff. And I'm still making the same music. You know, I'm still writing from the same place that I've always written from. So I think if you do any one of those shows, it's what you put out after the show uh-huh. uh, that really kind of tells, you know. All we're doing on those shows is getting up and singing other people's songs and dancing around. But it's, yeah, it's just kind of what, what you put out after and... uh and I was thankful to be a part of it, yeah. So now, is it true you're dating actress Emily Kinney? I am, I am, absolutely, yes. Okay, That's and then are you guys going to be putting some music out? We are, you know. She's so, so creative in a whole lot of ways. I mean, she's, she's multi-layered with her act, uh, poetry, she writes plays, I mean, she's kind of all over the place with that stuff. And, and yeah, and that's, that's another project for fun. We're kind of not taking it as serious because we both have our own solo records coming out. Okay. And I was like, let's focus on our own things first. But yeah, we do have some new music coming out. We just recorded two songs okay. in the studio, and I'm really, really excited about those. It's and what do you hope people take away from the record? I hope they relate, you know, like, the only thing I can do, I mean, you know as an artist, just write what you know, and this record, it's a beautiful time capsule uh, of the past four years of my life, and anyone that's kind of been through a similar journey, you know, I hope they relate to it and find some kind of inspiration or peace or happiness uh-huh. or any of that stuff, you know, that's why I do it, I make music to express myself, and, like, it's how I connect with people, it's, sure. it's, and that's what you want, and, um, yeah, now the songs are for everyone else, so I hope that they can find something beautiful in, in the music. That's awesome. Well, Paul, we want to thank you so much for joining the show. It's really great to hear kind of behind the scenes making of the album, what's been going on in your life, and we'll be uh, watching for you out on the road. Thanks so much for having me. Singer-songwriter Paul McDonald here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Stay right there, because coming up next, you're going to hang out with Lisa Fishman. She's got a unique musical story. Can't wait for you to hear it. Be right back. I don't know what you've been up to But all my friends seem to think that they do And they keep telling me things I'd rather not have So just be honest with me, I don't care I need to hear from your red lips right here We're both too keen to be some goddamn runarounds Yeah stories behind the songs back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane well from off broadway to klezmer bands to singer songwriter gigs lisa fishman knows music and entertainment from all sides you guys have to check out the latest release the ep called tie me down lisa is here to tell you all about her musical journey and the unique things that she's doing welcome Welcome to the show, Lisa Fishman. 
I love that. That just made my day. (laughs) It's great to have you on the show. Now, you are such a versatile performer, entertainer, and there's many things to talk with you about, but let's start with the EP that just came out. It's called Tie Me Down. How many songs are on it, and what inspired the music? It is an eight-song EP, and the title song, which is called Tie Me Down, basically, I would say the overall theme in this particular recording, which sadly has been the theme on and off for many years now, has been dealing with looking for love, lost love, just a lot of things regarding dating, regarding okay. being single, regarding men, regarding love. Regarding okay, I have a feeling that this is coming from experience. Sadly, yes. <laughs> and my and my next album, ladies, will be all about being madly in love and yes. having it be completely mutual and the fairy tale go. ending. There you go. <laughs> so that, that will be the next interview. We'll be okay. Doing. So now talk about exactly. Tie Me Down. What's that about? Some people, when they hear the title, they think it's something provocative, but really it has to do with that expression. Someone's talking about a significant other that, you know, they're tying them down and it almost has like a negative implication. But, you know, sometimes when you're going through life solo, with all that freedom that you can have, sometimes what you're really longing for the most is someone to tie you down and that longing for love and connection. And, yes. you know, I think there is this, you know, idea sometimes that when you're, you know, being free and having all that joy of the freedom that the flip side is, sometimes it's wonderful to, you know, to have that commitment and to, to be tied down and all the great things that come with with that. Yeah, and have someone who wants you to be there and doesn't want you going off and doing a bunch of other things. Exactly. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then there's another song called Sunday Night Girl. So talk about what inspired that one. You no, know, it was inspired by some guy that I, you know, we started dating and he was asking me out and somehow he managed to like try to ask me out for every other day of the week but Saturday night. It was like I clearly in his schedule was not worthy yes. of the Saturday night slot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say in performing this through the years, it definitely seems like women really relate to this yes, one. That one. Yeah. That's yeah, well, you really want the prime spot in the week. <laughs> that's right. Singer songwriter Lisa Fishman here on the Mulberry Lane show talking about her eclectic influences, and her brand new EP, Tie Me Down. You also perform in klezmer bands, so talk about what that is. And, and, and we hope explain. Rachel's saying that right. Yeah, am I even saying it right? Ah, uh, you're saying it perfectly, klezmer. Okay. Basically, you know, there's music that came out of Eastern Europe from the Jewish uh, culture. I'm Jewish, but honestly, I'm not religious. I would say I'm one of these people that would identify themselves as culturally Cultural. Jewish. Yeah. Okay. And I did not grow up with Yiddish, which is the Eastern European Jewish language. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, and the only Yiddish I knew was like Shana Punim, which means like, you know, pretty yes. face. There's something your grandma would say. <laughs> right, right. But suffice to say, um, years ago, I got turned on to this old style of music, this old Yiddish folk and theater music and wedding music that's had a huge revival in the last many decades. It sort of was started being rediscovered in probably in the 70s, it's been this complete renaissance of Jewish culture, Jewish music, and all this amazing stuff, the theater music and the, the folk music, et cetera, that came out of Europe yes. and then this country. So anyways, long story short, I got turned on to it years ago. I fell in love with it. I started studying some Yiddish, and I sang for many years with a band out of Chicago called the Maxwell Street Klezmer Band. That led to other work 
in Yiddish music and Yiddish theater. So through the years, I've sang with that Maxwell Street Klezmer band for a period of time, and then I was ready to move on to some other things, artistic things that I had always intended to do, musical theater, my own original music, etc. But I've always sort of kept one foot in the world of the Jewish music and theater, and it's been amazing because I've been lucky enough to come to New York regularly and work with particularly this one organization called the National Yiddish Theater, and able to collaborate with amazing artists and keep this beautiful body of work alive. And You know, from the Jewish music that I've heard, I always think when I hear it that there's just so much depth and so much history that you can, emotion. Just, you can feel it in the music, and I imagine that's how it struck you. Completely, completely. I was so struck the minute the doors opened. It was at a wedding of a cousin of mine. Uh-huh. She said to me, because I'm a singer, she said, I'm having this band at my wedding. I want you to sit in and sing. It's this thing called klezmer music. It's Jewish music. But don't worry, they can play anything. Just bring charts. So I just brought some jazz standards. But the minute the doors opened and I heard their music, it's like the hairs on my arm stood up. You yes. know what I mean? I had goosebumps. I just was like, <gasps> and I just felt it. And-, and connecting with this music and singing this music, how has that influenced your music? That's an interesting question. And it's funny because through the years, I mean, I have such a mishmash of artistic influences as a songwriter. I mean, I grew up listening to the old singer-songwriters, and then I was also introduced to all the theater music, growing up doing musical theater, and the great kind of vocalists and the people who sing standards, and I got into jazz and blues, etc. So I already had all these kind of eclectic influences. But I will say there's been a couple songs here and there. I won't say it has overall influenced my sound or my music, but there are some songs I have written that have definitely had either rhythmic patterns that is used in the klezmer music or certain minor scales, yeah. you know. So it definitely has, because there's certain, like there's something called a Turkish, or I think that's a, gosh, I'm going to be embarrassed if I'm wrong, but there's a certain rhythm where it's like one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah. And like, like you'll hear a lot of mouths, and anyways, like I wrote this one song years ago that had was kind of this sad, another kind of song of longing, but had that kind of feel okay. to it, you know? Cool. Oh, I love that. But, but I want to say to the people out there as far as this EP uh-huh. and that what I've just released of my original music, it has nothing to do with the Jewish, not that there's anything wrong right, with Jewish right. music, but this is more singer-songwriter with influences, I would say blues, jazz, folk, and rock. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Which is a great eclectic mix. And, you know, I think we get so caught up in the music industry of genre that, you know, a lot of people have so many eclectic influences that it's hard to pinpoint it or pigeonhole it. It's so true. And if anything, my, it's almost like my struggle is trying to kind of hone in, especially because when you're trying to market yourself as an artist, you know, And it's like, what can I throw out for a while? Because I also write some songs that are comic. I mean, Sunday Night Girl is not a comic song, per se, but I have some things. There is one song on that EP, and I don't know if I can say one of the words of the title, but it's Boys Like B, I'll just say the B word, um, which is more of a true kind of comic, but jazzy song. But, you know, some of the comic things I feel is maybe a little too eclectic and a little out there. So I'm still trying to figure out a way to kind of work it all in. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier on this interview, I said the word mishmash. And because my last name is Fishman, I've actually thought of doing a, an album just called Fishmash <laughs> instead of Mishmash. <laughs> Where I can I literally just do everything. The jazz, the, the rock, the klezmer, you know. You know what, you should do in. one song. One song, like 12 ways. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is an amazing idea. 
More with eclectic artist Lisa Fishman when we come back. Keep it right here on the Mulberry Lane Show, where you can explore all the edges of your creativity. I'm in the wrong time, and I'm in the wrong place. I keep on looking, but still I can seem to find my place. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mulberry Lane. Well, are you indulging all aspects of your creativity? Well, you're going to continue getting inspired by artist Lisa Fishman, who knows no creative limits. Simultaneously pursuing a singer-songwriter career and a series of off-Broadway performances and singing in a klezmer band, she's figured out how to keep all the creative fires burning that keep her love and life. Let's get back with Lisa right now. Now you're working on an off-Broadway show with Joel Gray. What has that been like, and what have you learned through this experience? It's been amazing. So Joel Gray, how most people will know him, literally a Tony and Academy Award-winning role was in Cabaret with Liza Minnelli, both in the Broadway production and then in the film. On top of that, he happens to also be the father of Jennifer Gray, who people know from Dirty Dancing, and is father, now many people don't know this because this is more like Jewish music world, but his father was this incredible clarinetist and sort of comic songwriter named Mickey Katz, who took like American songs and kind of Yiddished them up. So they, it's just an amazing family. But anyhow, he's directing it. And this is a production of Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. And they use supertitles, you know, projected out over the stage so that everyone can read and understand what it, what they're doing at this theater is, you know, like Italian opera and German opera and things like that where people go and, you know, you can read the translation. They're doing the same thing now with this Yiddish okay. work. And even though Fiddler was written in English originally, it had been translated into Yiddish back in the 60s. It's only been performed professionally in Israel back in the 60s. And so this is like the big American debut. But what makes this so significant and so special is that Fiddler was originally based on stories, short stories called Tevye the Dairyman by Sholem Alechem, who wrote them in Yiddish. Mm. And then the authors of Fiddler on the Roof were so inspired by these stories, they wrote this musical, but of course they wrote it in English. But in doing it in Yiddish, it strangely makes it almost more authentic because now these legendary characters, Tevye and his whole family and his town of Anatevka, they're all speaking in and singing in the language that they actually would have been. Would have spoken. Oh, oh, I love that. So yeah, if that makes yes. sense. Yep. And I've sung in Yiddish through the years, and I've done some Yiddish plays, but I am not at all fluent. I mean, there's a kabillion words I don't know. And I have to tell you, and I'm not saying this because I'm in it, I'm coming in as a replacement, so I've had the advantage of watching the show from the audience multiple times to learn my role. It is such a magical production. I'm seriously, in my role, honestly, I'm playing uh, Grandma Seidel, which she appears in this famous scene, the dream scene, and then I'm, you know, other like small parts throughout the show. This is, I'm so proud to be in. It is such a beautiful piece of theater. And I will let you know that it's been getting rave reviews, including just a New York Times critic's pick, and like oh, everyone's just loving it. Yeah. And it's, then pretty, how, it's pretty cool. How long does it run? It is running until September 2nd. Okay. And what so theater? Great. Okay, so the National Yiddish Theater, the producers, they have a permanent space now in the 
Museum of Jewish Heritage, which is in New York City in Battery Park. So it's Museum of Jewish Heritage is where people can find it. And honestly, I so highly recommend it. This musical is such a perfect musical. And seeing it done in Yiddish and everyone is just so good. Yeah, that's great. One of my, I really love Sunrise Sunset. I've always loved that song. And now you can hear it as Togain, Togoy. Awesome. I would love to go. Yeah, that would be so cool to see. Singer songwriter Lisa Fishman sharing her eclectic artistic pursuits here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now you've just moved to New York for this role. So you normally are in LA. So how's the adjustment to New York been? Well, you know, I've come here several times now through the years to do shows here. So it's always an adjustment. And I'll be honest, I am not a natural New Yorker at heart. And if I wasn't in the performing arts, I probably wouldn't even have been in L.A. all these years. I probably would be in some, like, small mountain town somewhere. (laughs) But I always love coming here. You have the ability to work with just incredibly talented artists and access to just so like Sheldon Harnick the man who wrote the lyrics for Fiddler Uh who's 94 years old gave a talk last night at the museum on the making of the show I mean where can you go and you know have an experience like that awesome Lisa going back to the EP when when people listen to it what do you hope they take away well, first of all, I hope they just enjoy it. I hope they enjoy the music. And because again, there's some jazzy stuff, there's some bluesy stuff. And I really, I just hope they can connect the songs that might be a little sad. I think they're, they're always supposed to be uplifting because the whole idea of like the blues, for instance, is you use it almost as a catharsis. And I hope the uplifting funny songs, you know, uplift people and make people happy. And most importantly, I just hope that people will find it entertaining and find connection with it. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like, why do we all listen to music? We listen to it because it inspires us in some way. It makes us feel something. We, you know, there's universal emotions in there where we can identify and go, yeah, I feel that. I felt that too. Yeah, we're not alone. That's right. That's right. We're not alone. And I think that's, you know, for me, one of the reasons why... As I get older, I'm inspired to continue to write music because yeah. I realize the importance what of music that connection. Yeah, exactly. Lisa, this has been an awesome interview. It's been really fun getting to know you, and I think we feel very connected with you on, on many levels, creatively. And it's really cool to hear about the type of music you're doing, along with the klezmer music and what you're bringing to life in the arts. It's amazing. I so appreciate it. And you guys are so awesome. You know, I've been checking out your music and your sites. And it's just, you guys are, I love your creativity. I love your voices. I love your songs. By the way, I particularly liked that St. Patty's song. Um, <laughs> and I happen to be a big fan of Jameson's. That's like my favorite whiskey. Okay. Well, you know, if and you ever make it through Omaha, we'll go drinking. <laughs> I love it. And I, by the way, I loved the lyric about the 50 shades of gray and the 40 shades of green. <laughs> that was Rachel's line. <laughs> That oh, we had fun with that song, for sure. So funny. No, you guys are so awesome and very inspiring, and, and uh, your sound is just amazing. And, and it's, it's, such a, it's such a pleasure to, to get to talk to you guys, and thank you for having me. Where can people oh. find you? 
So the best place to find me with my musical pursuits is lisafishmanmusic.com. I have two other sites, but that's more for theater and Jewish music. And again, because I'm such a mishmash, so Lisa Fishman Music. And then the EP, Tie Me Down, can be found on CD Baby and on iTunes, and it will be streaming and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Great. Well, lots of places to check you out. And once again, it's been really fun chatting with you. Same here. Thank you so much for having Thank- me. That's singer-songwriter Lisa Fishman. Make sure you check out Tie Me Down. Who wrote this story? Can't we just stop here? Where is the part about they all lived happily ever after? influences and your original approach to your musical career singer songwriter lisa fishman we love it and sisters who else do we need to thank well paul mcdonald of season 10 of american idol thanks so much for sharing your journey with us today your story really shows that if you just follow your muse and follow the winding path you get to the heart of who you are and where you're going love the hustle Mm -hmm. and you guys be sure to check out his latest album modern hearts He'll be swinging through the Midwest here on November 4th with his current girlfriend, Emily Kinney. They're going to be at the waiting room, so you guys should go get your tickets now. And finally, can't forget about Jillian Michaels. Jillian, thanks for dropping by the show and for giving such stellar life advice to our listeners. Always the best vibe when you're here. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Mulberry Lane Show. You guys, make sure you're here. Same time, same place next weekend. And during the week, visit us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Mulberry Lane. And make sure you keep those creative fires burning brightly. All right, Bo. Stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Oh uh-huh.